Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you back to this series we've entitled Happy with a question mark because we are investigating, we are doing a little bit of discovery into our own lives and we're allowing the Bible, which the Bible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and God himself illuminating the truth to us is able to go into the deepest parts of our soul and who we really are. And so we're, we're asking that question, happy. Some of you may think that's a little bit trivial or for a church to be talking about that or is God really into that? And we've been looking at it through the lens of the book of Philippians. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me to Philippians chapter four, verse four as we're gonna look at some summary thoughts from the Apostle Paul. And we've learned in this series that Jesus himself, in fact, kind of leaning on even referencing Jesus, that Jesus in one of his most famous sermons used the word makaros, which is blessed, and he used it over and over and over, and it's better translated today, happy. Paul leans on a main theme, a main thesis, and he talks about joy. And we're calling it happy because that's just, again, a little bit more of a common term. But in this series, we're learning that it touches contentment. We'll see that this weekend. Contentment, it touches fulfillment, it touches peace. It's, it's, it's much more holistic because we are holistic people. And so we're seeing that God knows us, he created us, he designed us, and that he wants you to be able to live in this life a life with him that's not only fulfilling to you, but impacts the life of others as well. I wanna welcome those watching at our 1230 service as well. Thank you for making room and making space for others as well as those online. But we also have Easter coming up, speaking of others, and I just wanna thank you for being a church that sees others, that sees people through the lens of Jesus, and as you go about your week this week, here's what I know. Some of you are like, invite, what would that look like? Well, we can all do the yard sign thing, right? Just boom, pop that in there. And then, you know, Steve's talking about this card and all of that. Well, what do you do with that? Well, first you have people in your realm of influence already. You don't even have to go outside of that. Uh, but second of all, I do believe God will lead you to the one, you know? Jesus was always going to the one. So Jesus will lead you this week I, I don't know how it'll happen, but there'll be a divine intersection with someone, and, and we can't reach everyone, but we can reach the one that he puts in front of us and be willing and be, in, be available. So if you'll do that, I promise you, God will use you as an instrument uh, that could really impact lives. Last weekend, we saw the impact of that. 70-something people who were water baptized, who went public with their faith. Young people, yeah, that's something to celebrate. We clapped all weekend last weekend. We cried all weekend last weekend. We were emotional, why? Because those are real people, those are real lives. Eternity is a long time, heaven is a real place. And here at Milestone, we're serious about that because Jesus makes a big deal about it and celebrates it. So I just wanna encourage you, this is a great time of the year that you could really make an eternal impact on someone. And I just, I'm so thankful too, the way you receive people when they come on Easter. Thank you for being warm and recognizing them. That's deeply spiritual because they make their mind up a lot about who we are here at Milestone before they ever hear the bald guy talk. Y'all think I should get a wig for Easter? Maybe, you know, spruce it up a little bit. 
get my Easter suit and a wig, maybe help folk out this year. No, it's not gonna happen. But before they hear me, they're going to be impacted by you. So thank you for just loving people well. We're talking about this idea of happy and we started the first week. I always preach from the Bible, but we've been taking the book of Philippians and really breaking it down chapter by chapter and looking at every verse and helping you really understand the scriptures and see how they apply to your life and how the word of God's living and active. The first week we learned that one of the robbers of our joy is that we want everything to be perfect. We want everything to be just like we want it to be, but we all know that's not how life works and we're in process and he who began a good work in us will complete it. And so we learned that about us and joy. And then last week we talked about humility and how getting outside of ourselves and not being selfishly ambitious can be so impactful. And I'm really believing this week that as I prayed for you that this week can really be an impartation because this week we're gonna talk about the idea that happiness can be a little elusive in our lives and we go through different things, but God wants us to embrace this, not just momentarily, not, not just like, okay, I kinda need it right now, but consistently. Everybody say consistently consistently, not like, like every day is great. By the way, you need it in different ways at different times, you know? I, I think about one of our little little guys, little, one of our staff pastors, his little son, he's a little, little high energy brother, you know, and I just love him, you know, he just, he, he may do something great for God. Don't be hard on your high energy kid, you know? He, got, he, he has no behinds, has little, little sagging pants, you know, and he comes in the back and I, he just wants to jump off the steps, you know, and it's just, you know, I don't have to live with him so I can embrace all that, you know? I'm like, I'm just his pastor, you know? So I'm feeding him sugar. I gave him big old 10 grandma cookies last week, you know? I just let him... Hey, brother, you want some gram? Oh, yeah. So now he finds me for those. You know, I gave him those. I, of course, I took one as a tithe, you know, as the, for, the, for the man of God. You know, he's like, he got a little selfish. I'm like, okay. But anyway, it's just, just amazing. He, he just wants a cookie. You know, when you're just a little guy like that, you know, just a cookie can make you happy, right? Life gets a little more complex as you journey through it. Hit your teenage years and even kids today, pressures and man, how do we find happiness and contentment? And then you get married and you have this situation or maybe you're single and you got a friend thing going on. It just, life has a lot that goes on throughout different seasons. Of course, of course we all end up at some point where somebody's taking care of us and we just want a cookie, but it kind of, it ends up at that point. But in between, we're, we're, we're looking for something substantive. We're, we're looking for something we can anchor ourselves to. And, and the theme of this book is that there is a joy available that doesn't have to just come and go and be elusive in nature, but can actually be very stable. And uh, so let's look here at Philippians 4.4. Paul is starting to summarize his letter. And I, I've told you this every week, but I think it's important, okay? When you read the Bible, you always have to put in your mind here as you're reading it, like what's the context? So Paul's in jail. He's writing a letter to these people that he loves. This is a church that's been birthed out of a home when he was there preaching the gospel. And he loves them. I love the tone of the letter. He loves them deeply. He's, he's not really, and, and there are letters from Paul where he has to be corrective. 
He's not overly corrective here. He's, he's fatherly and impartational, and he, he, just, he just loves them. He keeps telling them, I want to come see you, and you're so awesome. And he, he just he has so many good things to say to them, and he's, he's really imparting life to them. And I, and I like this, this, this Philippi group, this church, because we can relate to them because there was more accessibility here. I, I like to say it this way. You can be down and out, but you can be up and out. And so they, they were a little bit more socially mobile and had access to more things. See, sometimes having access to more things means you actually have to understand some of these principles even more so to stay anchored to what's important because those things can't provide the joy that you want. So Paul's talking to some people a little bit like us, has some good things for them. Now he comes into this, in your study Bible, it may say final exhortations. This is his last paragraph. Now, I'm not trying to impose Turabian style on Paul. Some of you are like, what's Turabian style? Think back to college, think back to grammar, think back to English, okay? So, so I'm not trying to impose it, but he is using what would be a very familiar type way in writing a letter that as you come into that concluding paragraph, you, you give a thesis and a theme right there. So he gives a theme and thesis that we know has been the theme all the way through, and he says it in, in a in a really like, it, it, it's almost hard to, to, to really grasp, like is that, is that real? I mean, he, he sets it so strong right here at the end, and he says this, rejoice in the Lord, there's that joy word again, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> like always? Like when I get a bad medical report? Like when my kids are going crazy? Like when I don't feel right? Like I don't know what's up, I don't know what's going on, I'm getting older, are my hormones off, what's wrong? Speaking of hormones, this reminds me of my mom, by the way, rejoice in the Lord always. She grabbed this verse early on and she would just, she was just, you know, intercessory prayer, you know, and so she started deploying this on us as kids as we're growing up, you know. Well, we just thank the Lord. We're just going to praise the Lord, Jeff, you know. And now, teenagers, they have times where they just don't want to be joyful in the Lord. If you're raising one, like especially boys, they have, they have unhappy chemicals and hormones running through their body. They have, they have, they, they're, they're just mad and they don't know why. So I wake up, my mom, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord, I turn on the light. You need to get out of my room. I don't want any of that. It's just, it's just like, we almost think of it as like, this is the day. Like, this is not real. Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and you actually think I'm crazy, so I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice, what we've learned in this is it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength, not the joy of us. Rejoice in the Lord. There's a lot in your life that may not make you wanna rejoice, and it's okay to admit that, but it says you can rejoice in the Lord. If there's an understanding of who he is and it's real in your life, you can rejoice in the Lord. We've talked throughout this series about there's this time in life we just want a happy meal. We don't want to rejoice in the Lord. We need some comfort food. Can I have an amen? You know what I'm saying? We just need a happy meal. 
you know, happy wife equal, equal happy life. So we need to have that, you know, and then we have a happy place. See, it's like I could be happy if I could get in my happy place. The problem is life doesn't work that way. Your happy place gets messed up. I had this happen to me. I think one of the absolute antithesis to happy place can be being stuck in an airport. Anybody been stuck in an airport? That is an unhappy place. We traveled with our kids over spring break. We had the worst travel week that we've ever had, all kind of problems, weather patterns. We're flying in, we're going skiing, we fly in in to our destination. Stewardess, please prepare the cabin for landing. And we're going down. Then on the, over the intercom, the pilot says, there are no diverting airports with any shuttles and da 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 da, and the weather's bad. We turned around and came back. I've never, I mean, the devil hates me. Are you kidding me? We're on our approach and we went back up and turned around and came back. I'm in an unhappy place right now. (laughs) Then we get ready to leave all the stuff, the caravan of kids, all the equipment, check all of it, sit there for hours, 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 delay, 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 and you hate to see that. Canceled. Go get all your stuff. Now to where do we go now? I kept telling myself, the joy, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, are y'all with me? This is real life. So, so, so what you want to be said of your life is not that you don't ever have an airport debacle or even something more serious. What you want to be said of your life is though, generally, The landscape of this person's life is they were joyful. They were rejoicing in the Lord. Not in a fake, trivial sort of way, but with real challenges and issues, they were able to maintain some level of consistent happiness. I don't normally do this, but there are some anchor verses. Again, I want you to get an impartation. You have to own these verses right here. Paul has given us some of the best verses in the New Testament for how to really live out a dynamic, life-giving, joy-filled Christian life. And he does it in this summary section, if you will. And I wanna give them to you. I don't usually do five, but bear with me. We'll move along quick. But I believe they're so important. He gives us the recipe for consistent happiness. What does that look like? Number one, they know Christ. People who are consistently happy, they know Christ. Paul says, I wanna know Christ. Yes, to know, notice that word twice, know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, I'm not doing this just to to, to sound preacherly, okay? But it is important when you see the word know, and he uses it twice in the Greek, This is a form of the word gnosko that, again, for us to understand it, it it actually is inflected in a different way. And again, I took Greek in college, but it's a very challenging language. And so we're trying to grab a hold of a word in English that has trouble for us. It's like, no Christ. I would believe most people, when you say, okay, being happy is about no Christ, what I hear from a lot of people is, well, I believe in the man upstairs. I believe in God, or 
I, I went to church or I have an uncle who's a pastor or I, I, I pray. That that's not what Paul's talking about here. By the way, Paul had a radical conversion. He was a killer of Christians. He was anti-God. He had all the credentials and he had a radical conversion and this is probably 25 years into his walk with Jesus. You're talking about somebody 25 years after a radical conversion going, I wanna know Christ. I wanna know him. The word there in Greek is better translated an experiential knowledge. It's very important. This is not mentally and intellectually ascending to religious truths. This is not, okay, I have all the different discussions and arguments patterned out. This is an experiential, relational understanding of Jesus that's real. You've all seen it before. You've been around someone. You've, quite honestly, you've been around someone with a lot of religious knowledge with very little effectiveness and power and ability to really influence the connection for other people to this Jesus that they feel so convicted and convinced about. But we've all been around someone who may seem a little more simplistic even, but you're around them and you're like, they, they, they know Jesus. <laughs> like, and, and, and if you get around that kind of person, you're like, I wanna know him more too. You ever heard someone who knows Jesus pray? Like, like uh, people who, who are, you know, thou, thee, thy, and thus, and God. And you're like, can we get the formality over? Like this is just really gross. But somebody who knows Jesus with even sometimes more simplistic words, but you can tell in there, you're like, that's not the first time they talked to him. That, that, that's, that, that. In fact, I think they've been talking to him quite frequently. Know Christ. You say, why is that important? Because there's gonna be a lot of unhappy places along this journey called life. But somebody who knows Christ, there's a inner presence of one greater that you're in real connection and relationship with that gives a stabilizing, calming effect to everything that is going on in that situation. But that only comes to the one who knows Christ, knows him. Paul even gives all his credentials at one point and says, look, I count all that as trash. I just wanna know him. Second of all, they don't dwell in the past. Consistently happy people don't dwell in the past. They possess a literally supernatural ability to get past the past. Paul says this, one thing, one thing I do you're like, man, pastor, I, I just wanna hear this message. Could you just like, there's all this you're talking about and you're giving us all these verses. Could you just do one, give me one thing that would help my unhappiness? Just one thing. Well, Paul says one thing, but then he gives two, but he's a little bit of an overachiever, okay. But he emphasizes one big one here. And I'm gonna tell you, this one thing could contribute to your deep level joy in a big well. One thing I do is I forget what is behind. Everybody needs help dealing with what is behind and it affects our, our souls, our emotional stability, it affects our joy. I had a guy this week go, I just don't know why my brother's so unhappy. And, and he's asking me a question, I'm like, well I know your whole story, I know, I know why your brother's unhappy. Your brother's unhappy because he hasn't resolved all of his unforgiveness that he has with your dad. 
He hasn't resolved that. He doesn't know God in that way. He doesn't know how to offer a forgiveness that he himself has not experienced. And so you've channeled all of that pain into achievement. See, we all channel it in different ways. For him, it's all bubbling in there. It's all going on in there. It's all happening. And he doesn't even know a lot of times why he's so depressed, so discouraged, so isolated, so, so secluded. But it, it's the trauma of his past. And see, you can either bring your pain, your trauma into your present. You can bring your unforgiveness into your present and let it taint everything and make you more bitter. You can bring all of that into your present or you can be cut off supernaturally from the effects of your past through the freedom that's found in Christ. We have something here called freedom. How many of y'all participated, even maybe in the video service or online, participated in freedom? So, so a lot of you in here over the weekend, I've asked that question. Look, coming up this spring, we, we have this again. This is not just for certain special people or, you know, like, like, okay, that's for the real messed up people, as if there's a category of that. Let's just, everybody I'm talking to is messed up right now, okay, with me? And so, so those of you saying, well, I'm not messed up. You're the most messed up, but anyway. <laughs> Okay, freedom is for everybody. We all need help getting past our past. We all have things and we've been hurt and hurt, hurt people hurt people. And so it's a journey, a small group journey that then culminates in, in this supernatural power of God to help us get free from our past. But I'm gonna tell you, if you can let some of that go, It'll help you so much with your joy going forward. Paul says, I forget that which is behind. The, the third thing he says is, he shows us how we can have happiness is, I, I see they're committed to purpose. Philippians 3.14, I press on. Now I get cut off from my past, and he said this earlier, I'm straining toward the future, I'm moving toward the future. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Joy-filled people live with a sense of purpose. You wanna know a behind-the-scenes thing for me over the last probably three to four years, a greater level of understanding just in walking with people and caring about people and my life's desire is for your faith to work, the number of people who don't really know their contribution to God's kingdom, don't understand that God has called you Everyone has a calling from God. Everyone in their mother's womb is uniquely wired. He puts specific gifts inside of you. There's things you're motivated by. There's things you care about. There's things that, again, you don't have to work at being passionate about. So, so many people today, when you talk about purpose, they think, oh, you're talking about this perfect scenario, this perfect job, this perfect role in the church, this perfect thing that works. In fact, young people struggle with that. So many of them today is like, I got to get like the, they've been told so, so much, you know, you can be anything and there's the perfect world for you. Like they have trouble getting a job. Like it's like, I have to have the perfect job, the perfect boss, the perfect cause. No, you need to get a job. That, that's where we want you to start and get off the payroll. And it's amazing a lot of times you even find strength in your purpose by exercising it, by just walking it out and serving and learning. And somebody goes, man, you're really good at that. It's, it's a discovery process. But I will say this, Paul's not necessarily even talking about even that totally. He's saying, I was apprehended. <laughs> God just said, oh, 
and he grabbed me for his purpose. And I've been moving toward that mark, toward that purpose, toward that calling. And I wanna tell you, you talk about joy, and I'm gonna tell you, a vision from God, it'll, it'll, it'll motivate you, it'll constrain you past the tough days and the challenging circumstances when you wake up every day and say, I'm living to advance his kingdom. I know that I'm part of this picture. I have a part in his heart. And committed, purpose-filled people, bottom line is they're just happier. And you say, where do I start? Well, that's why we have a growth track. Get started. Find your purpose. Find your gifts. Find, start, start somewhere. And as you offer it, you'll find strength in that. And you'll find more joy. And that passion will come from the inside. Number four, Paul gives us some real practicals here. Remember, he's summarizing Philippians 4, 8 through 9. He tells us that they're intentional and disciplined in their thinking. He says, finally, brothers, look at this, still summarizing to us. I don't want you to miss this in the letter, brothers and sisters. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. I use the word intentional on purpose. Choosing. See, our minds are prone to wonder and move toward negativity. And joy-filled people have the ability, it's not a sin, by the way, to have negative thoughts. It's not a sin to have a thought that can lead to other thoughts, that can lead to habits. It's not a sin to start there. You will end up way off course and unhappy if you stay there, if you stay in that place. So the people that are more joy-filled, it's not because they don't have crazy thoughts and negative feelings and emotions. They've learned the discipline of saying, I'm going to think on the goodness of my God. I'm gonna think on, that's why you need these verses Paul's given us. Because you grab those and they are able to help you take hold of those negative thoughts that lead you down an unhappy path. A lot of the battle's right here. It's something that's communicated over and over in the New Testament. I saw an interesting story recently that got me thinking about thinking in the house and Philippians. Uh, USA Today did the story. I pastored a while in West Texas. It happened in West Texas. But there was a guy who was working on a cable or something under his house and he thought he saw a snake. And he saw the snake and he thought, man, I need to find somebody to help me, you know, find out how, you know, if there's a snake and get the snake. So he called the guy who like collects snakes. Now, I don't know what that says about that person's distorted thinking, but, um, you know, I kill snakes, right? That's what I do. Don't, don't email me because it's not going to change anything, right? But I... <laughs> I don't play with snakes or collect snakes, but I kill snakes, right? So th th this, this guy, though, collects them and has like a brand and all that. The guy came over, professional snake collector, and uh, I thought it was interesting. In the article, he said the house was well-maintained. The house was like not a dilapidated house or a house you would think would have this problem. The house was well-maintained. It was quite nice. It was well put together. But when we went under the house, we found 45 rattlesnakes. 45 rattlesnakes under the house? And I thought, man, in my years of working with people and asking people, why are you unhappy? I find that the house looks well-maintained. But when you dig a little bit down there, there's lots of rattlesnakes in there. 
And, and I thought about the, the dangers of thinking and concepts and ways we anchor ourselves to negativity. And, and, and those things have to be collected and removed from our lives. But a wandering mind, an undisciplined mind, a mind that doesn't know the truth of the word of God is an unhappy mind which leads to an unhappy life. The fifth thing is they're generous because of their view of God. Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 through 13, as I polled people leading up to this series, I, over and over I just asked, why are people so unhappy? Everywhere I went for like a week or two and during the series, why are people so unhappy? Why are people so unhappy? Why are, are you unhappy? Why are people? And the number one response, I'm, I, honestly, it was a little bit mind-blowing. I didn't think it would be like the majority of what people said, and it was overwhelmingly the majority, and that is people believe if they had another financial position, they would be more happy. That was the number one response I got. What's well, interesting, because this whole book is Paul actually exhorting and encouraging this church who've been very generous to him, and yet in the middle of it, He's asking them to supply for this mission, what, the, 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 this giving of an offering to help to continue to advance the kingdom. And in the middle of it though, he keeps qualifying, guys, let me tell you about my view of life and let me tell you, this is not about me. So these are qualifiers. The verse I'm about to read is Paul qualifying going, this isn't about me, I want you to see it like I see it. That's separate from what I'm talking to you about in terms of your generosity. And so here's what he says in regards to our cultural viewpoint that happiness is tied to the next promotion. By the way, the house well kept, here's what I found. If you don't get what Paul's talking about, you can find some of your greatest successes and in the middle of where you should have your greatest celebrations, be the most unhappy. Be the most unhappy going, man, I should be happier. Paul tells us something very powerful here. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he gives us probably one of the most quoted, recognized verses for people, even people who don't believe in God. This verse most people have seen it somewhere. It's what makes it on little wristbands. It's, on, it's framed in people's houses. It's, 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 it is a common, common, common verse in the Bible. It, it makes it into end zones. Texas Tech people are claiming it this week. <laughs> hey, we, we are kind and benevolent to, to Red Raiders. Just don't get, don't get carried away or we'll start pushing you like the Aggies, all right? Anyway. <laughs> So, so I can, here it is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Everybody's like, man, I'm gonna grab that, you know? It's like, I need help with this diet. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, these kids are out of control. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Man, I gotta face another Monday. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Look, I believe the Bible if it's true, can apply to every area of life. But let's make sure we remember, here's the context. The context is in the area of your view of God in regards to generosity and the way you handle your stuff. Man, I don't wanna live that. I, I don't, that's contradictory to view God that way for me. I wanna be self-consumed. I don't wanna be, oh, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's counterintuitive. 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, I can do all things. I can be content when I'm in this place. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's the source of joy. What Paul's saying is, I want you to know my view of God. And you know why most people are not generous? They believe there's just a pie that has limited amounts in it. It's just like at my house, if somebody, you know, if we make a pie, you know, you gotta hide a piece somewhere because there's so many people coming through there. You know, you gotta just go put it somewhere because in a short amount of time, it's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone, you know? And, and it's, it's gone. And we've thrown out gluten and pork and sugar and so it never comes back. It doesn't come back. And so I gotta maybe hide one every now and then, right? And so many people live a selfish life because they think God is a selfish God and there's a limited amount of pie. But when you see God as omnibenevolent and good and distributes to us and blesses us, by the way, you can even celebrate others. So God doesn't have to take from someone else's happiness. He doesn't have to take from their happiness to give to you happiness because he's a big God. And so when you start viewing it that way and seeing it that way, you live more open-handed. And I will tell you this, whether it's friendships, relationships, whether it's in your church, in your business, how you operate, givers are always happier than takers. Givers are always happier than takers. It's always the case. And all of that generosity always comes back to them as well. Because the Bible says he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. And so Paul is offering here some powerful things. He's given us a lot from the scripture in the series. And the book of Philippians hits us really where we live. What did we learn? What did we learn from this book, Philippians, that tells us about joy and real happiness? We learned this. God's given us everything we need. He's given us everything we need, not, not always circumstantially. Paul's writing it from jail, but his joy's not in prison. God's given us everything we need. We just have to choose it. We have to decide to choose it, and if we do, then it becomes ours. I tried to, even along the way, make it real for you, but I tell you, it's, it's been real, been rich for me personally, um, one way was the first weekend when I preached, I walked off the side right over here and there's a guy over here, you know, that you can't see who runs the sound that I think works some of the stuff that happens up here. There's a sound guy behind that wall right there and they rotate and there's different team members and, and, uh, it's, it's, it's people like Mike, Mike happened to be running the soundboard the day I walked off after preaching the message. He goes, pastor, oh man. That was good, and, and I was, you know, I was intrigued and amazed, one, that the sound guy's listening to the message, you know, but that's, that's a powerful thing. But, uh, but another thing that was, was really powerful is you said several years ago, you talked about this in a message. And he said, it changed my work life because I took my computer and I wrote after that weekend's message, he wrote a little note and stuck it on his computer. Now, it looks like his screensaver is helping him with his joy, too, you know, but anyway. <laughs> but he wrote on there, remember where your joy comes from. And he said, that one thought right there with joy, I owned that message. See, it moved from information to an impartation, and I put it there. And so when I have bad things at work or stress or something's not there, I look at that. Remember where your joy comes from. 
What did we learn in this series? It's not the joy of you. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And Mike grabbed a hold of something. And I gotta tell you, not only am I preaching this to you, but I'm living it as well. I told you the first week that for Brandy and I walking through some health things with our youngest child and, and God's met us every step of the way, we, we've learned in that a lot about joy. We've learned about joy and where joy comes from and our joy is in the Lord. Last week I talked to you about just in what I do, sometimes having people that are critical or hurtful or situations that you have to walk through. And I told you about how, like for me, these verses, I still need them today. I learned them as a kid. I still need them today because I don't, I don't wanna be a bitter pastor at the end. I wanna love people and be open. And so guess what? It's gotta be real. I, I lived it this week. I lived what I'm preaching to you this week. My father in 2010 had a colon surgery that when they resected the colon that it leaked and he, went sep he had sepsis and was in ICU for months and I found myself at his bedside praying for him that he would not pass away. God performed a miracle and, and so, um, you know, by the way, when you go through something, when you go through some things, man, you really enjoy your relationships. My dad and I, after him almost passing away, we've had great moments together. We would never wanna go through what he went through in 2010, but I would say we've enjoyed great moments together knowing that life is fragile. We were fishing the other day and he said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a great day. We just enjoyed it together. And the reason it was really powerful is Monday he had to have another surgery, same type of surgery. And there was a great, great concern by the doctors due to some breathing issues that he possibly might not come off the ventilator. And so we went into the surgery with just the idea that this is a big possibility. And, and God met us there, and I, I would report to you that God supernaturally, in fact, he was the talk of Baylor Grapevine Hospital, that God, he, he immediately came off the ventilator. I went in there to see him. A lot of powerful praying people. And when I went in there to see him, he said, I, I, I had to make it because we got to go fishing again. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about what matters. And, I, and I'm telling you, some of you, you need to write a note to somebody you love. You need to go fishing with somebody you love. You need to go tell. You need to spend less time letting the snakes that want to rob your joy have dominance in your life and live it today. Enjoy today and embrace it today. Choose it today. Choose it today. So I wanna tell you, I'm not preaching theory to you now. I'm not preaching theories, some kind of anecdotal, dusty old book of stories and stuff. I'm telling you personally, these words are life. They are life and they will sustain you and you can have a joy despite whatever circumstance you face. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Some of you, and I'm gonna ask if you would, just out of courtesy, unless it's an emergency for no one to move around for just a minute here in the congregation because this is a very important moment for people. So if you can, just, just pause so that we can have this moment for, for people that are really, I believe there's some of you here, when I talk about knowing Christ, you're like, Jeff, experientially knowing Christ? Like I, I, I would say that I mentally ascend to the fact there's a God, but I don't know that I know Christ. Well, you can. 
You can simply say to him, Jesus, I know that I've made mistakes. I know I've tried to find happiness in other ways and that's left, left me empty. But, but I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead, come into my life and become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end of the service. You're welcome to come right after this 11 o'clock service. You can come. We're having a 101 uh, class and you can come there. I'd love to meet you and hear about your decision. We're ready for you. I pray for a second group though, this prayer I've had for you all week, that there would be an impartation of joy. Some of you, due to factors and circumstances, there needs to be, you're stuck a little bit. Paul says there can be a consistency to it, a rejoicing in the Lord always. I pray, Father, that you would impart that to your people, Lord, to every single person, that there would be something that is more than something elusive that comes momentarily but is stable and consistent in a way of seeing our world. Lord, we receive your word today. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 